Today on Awaken to Grace, we are in part three of a sermon entitled The March of Triumph. We are at the walls of Jericho with the children of Israel. And today is the conclusion of this three-part sermon. Now, this sermon is in a larger collection of sermons entitled Triumph. And I want to encourage you to download our free mobile app, Awakened to Grace. And if you have been following these sermons, if you are growing in your walk with Christ because of the teaching, the biblical teaching of Awaken to Grace, then I invite you to check out our website, awakentograce.com. Click the link that's called Grace Givers Community. And I hope that you will prayerfully consider supporting our work as God has us on multiple platforms sharing His Word all over this country. I am so appreciative that you are listening, and I would love to hear from you if these sermons are making an impact on your life. Well, I hope that you enjoy today part three of this sermon, The March of Triumph. friend Randy, we pray together, and he has this large shofar. And I'm telling you, when my friend Randy blows that ram's horn, when he blows the shofar, I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's biblical. (laughs) And right here it is in Joshua chapter 6. Why did they not use the silver trumpets? Why did they not blow the trumpet of war? This is very, you can't miss this. They didn't blow the trumpet of war because God wasn't declaring war. God was declaring victory. And when you blow the shofar, it is jubilee. It means we declare triumph. It means that we declare the victory of God over whatever situation. And what God is telling Joshua is you don't declare war because the victory is already won. I've already given you the city. And when they blew the ram's horns, they weren't declaring war. They were declaring victory. Hallelujah. And the same is true in your life. The same is true in my life. We don't fight for the victory. We fight because the victory has already been guaranteed. Thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumphal procession. The book of Corinthians tells us. Hallelujah. So do you live this way? Do you live in this kind of victory? Do you live in this kind of triumph? Do you live in this kind of expectation? (coughs) Often you will find it in the details. They obeyed the details of the Lord. So here's what he says. Seven priests, seven ram's horns. The Ark of the Covenant, mentioned eight times in this chapter. (coughs) The whole time that they walk around the city walls, they're blowing the ram's horn. They're sounding that great decree of victory. And the Lord said, here's what you're to do. You're to march around the city one time per day, once a day, and then come back to the camp. You're not to say a word. Now think about that. We're talking details, church. God told them, don't even speak a word. Don't even let a word come out of your mouth. 
Oof. Now, now follow me here. We said in the book of Numbers at Kadesh Barnea, I believe that's Numbers 23, perhaps 24. We said in the book of, of Numbers, they, at Kadesh Barnea, they would not take the land. They would not obey the promises of God. I mean, they had, the, they had incredible numbers compared to these walled cities, okay? And only Joshua and Caleb said we could take the land. The other 10 spies, no. So God punished him for 40 years. Now that Joshua is in charge, and now that he has the numbers, think about this. The discipline that it took on Joshua's behalf to obey the details of the Lord. Joshua could have sent every man of war just for good measure. But did he do that? Mm -mm. No. He only needed a few. (coughs) And not that he needed them to fight. He just needed a procession. He just needed to have some men to do what God wanted done. Think of the discipline that that took not to send everyone, but to say, no, God says to do it this way. And so around the massive walls, the procession went. Can you imagine what went through the minds and the hearts of the people of Jericho on day one? I bet they were quite frightened. As they heard the blast of the seven horns, I bet the people shuddered. They knew that God was a God of wonders. They knew he had dried up the waters. They knew that God had fed the people. They knew that God was a God of miracles. And no doubt they were so scared that first day. Israel marches around the city. Historians tell us about nine acres. Historians tell us it probably would have taken this procession 25 to 30 minutes to march around the entire city wall. What do the people do? They come home. They come back and they encamp for the night. Day two, same thing. Not a word spoken. They march around the city. They end, they come home. Day three, the same. By day three, I wonder what the people began to think. I wonder what the people of Jericho began to think by day three, by day four. No doubt they began to think, this is who we're afraid of? This is silly. Well, they're not doing anything. They're just marching. They're just blowing silly horns. What do they think they're doing? This makes no sense. Friends, you and I can never forget, while we love strength, while we love to feel in control and we love plans and we love our strategies. <clears throat> you know what love you know what God loves? He chooses the foolish and the weak things of this world to confound the wise. God uses foolish things. He uses weak things. Today If you say, Chad, I feel weak, you're a perfect candidate for God to use. For Paul says, it's in weakness that I am made strong. God perfects his strength in me in my weaknesses. 
God uses foolish things. He uses, he's going to use the seven ram's horns of Joshua. He's going to use the torches of Gideon and the Midianites. He's going to use the sling of David against the mighty giant Goliath. It's the small, it's the weak, it's the foolish things that God uses to confound the wise. Hallelujah. And so they march around the city for six consecutive days. Now remember, we're talking about details. The Lord tells Joshua, seven horns, seven priests, One time a day for six days, but on the seventh day, march around the city seven times, blowing the seven ram's horns. Now, was this accidental? Absolutely not. God loves details. The number seven is woven throughout the entire history of the people of Israel, and it's laced throughout the entire Bible for us. The Lord loves the number seven. The actual number seven in the Hebrew language speaks of completeness, fullness. Listen to this, satisfying. The number seven is used all through the Bible. God created the world in six days and on the seventh, he rested. (coughs) There are seven promises within Abraham's covenant. There were seven ram's horns used in the fall of the walls of Jericho. There were seven branches to the golden candlestick of the Lord. Even in the book of Revelation, there are seven churches written to. There are seven bowls of judgment. There are seven seals of judgment all throughout the Bible. Even there are seven years of tribulation. All throughout the Bible, God highlights the number seven. Even in the seventh year of Sabbath, on the 49th year, the seven times seven years comes the year of Jubilee, the 50th year. God loves the number seven. And there's great significance to it throughout the Bible. But see, here's the point. Obedience follows the details. When you know the details, You can obey the details. Do you know the details of what God wants from you right now? Do you know exactly what God wants you to be doing in this season of your life? At this stage of your life? Have you gotten alone with God? As the Bible says in Psalms, be still and know that I am the Lord. Have you done that? Perhaps this time of quarantine. Perhaps this time of everything shutting down from restaurants to movie theaters to shopping centers to even churches. Perhaps in this unprecedented time that we're living in, that everything is closed, could you not steal away with the Lord? Could you not get alone with God? Could you not be still and learn what God has for your life in this moment, in this season? (coughs) So Joshua is going to obey every detail that the Lord gives him, every detail. We see the number seven 
woven in and out all throughout this story? Well, we see, number one, the deposit. Joshua deposited the promises of God. He reckoned them. He reckoned them. He deposited them. We see, number two, the details and the great obedience that Joshua had. Lastly, today, we see the great deliverance. The deposit of the promise, the details of the promise, and lastly, the great deliverance on the promise. Well, these walls are going to fall. Let me tell you for a moment about these walls. Archaeologists tell us that it's the oldest walls ever discovered in the history of archaeology. And they know a lot about it. And here's what they tell us. They tell us that Jericho was actually built upon a large mound. Now, it's very strategic. If an army, if an invader is going to try to take the city, what they are going to have to do is fight going uphill. That gives Jericho an immediate advantage. Not only was the city built on a large mound uphill, there was a thick ditch built around the city. So you would actually have to go down into a ditch and then back up the mound in order to try to siege the city. The outer wall, the city was actually made of two walls. The outer wall was, archaeologists tell us, were six feet thick. Now think about that. Just the outer retainer wall was six feet thick, 12 to 15 feet high. Our ceilings in this auditorium are about 13 feet tall, so that was just the outer wall. The inner wall was another beast. The inner wall was 12 feet thick. So the outer wall was six feet thick. The inner wall, 12 feet thick, double the thickness (coughs) of this wall. While the outer wall was 12 to 15 feet high, the inner wall was about 25 feet high. This is massive. You think about this in a day of no machinery where, I mean, this is just an unbelievable uh, structure a fortified city. Well, within the walls of Jericho was also a watchtower. We talked about that, I think, uh, last week or the week before. A 28-foot watchtower with 22 steps leading up. 28 feet, with it, just even within the walls. This was massive. They tell us that looking up, it, with, with the ditch and with the mound and with the high walls, When you look up at the walls of Jericho, they would have been roughly 30 feet high up in the air. And here's what the Lord said. The Lord said on the seventh day, you're going to march seven times, blowing the ram's horns. And after the final blast, God says, the people are to shout. And when the people shout the walls are going to fall. So Joshua tells the people, we're going to obey the Lord and you're to shout because God has given you the city. See, there he goes again talking in that perfect tense. God has given you the city. And the Bible says in 
chapter 6, verse 20, the people, they marched, they blew the ram's horn, that great blast. Remember, the ram's horn was not a, de- it was not a declare of war, it was a declare of victory. What a difference. That will make such a difference in your walk of faith. That will make such a difference in your daily life. Do you live for victory or do you live out of victory because of victory? And on that final great blast of victory in verse 20, the Bible says, the Bible didn't say the people gave a shout. The Bible says the people gave a great shout. And as they gave the great shout, the Bible says the walls fell flat. And here we are thousands of years later And we're still talking about it to this day. The walls fell, my friend. The walls fell. And what those 10 spies could not believe God for back then, Joshua believed God for then. And the whole people believed God. Preaching Christ Church, what would happen if we as a people believed God? What would happen if not just our leaders believed God, but all of the people? What would happen if all of our congregation, what would happen if all of our families truly believed God? I'm telling you, we would see walls come down. We would see God do the impossible. Hallelujah. And while you're not facing an actual city today, there's no doubt you're facing hard things. You're facing what in your life are walls of Jericho. I've been transparent in telling you in my blindness, I am facing walls of Jericho. And as I look up at these mighty walls that no one can bring down, no doctor can help me, Friends, I've been to Duke University where the smartest, where the most medically professional people are when it comes to eyes, and no one can help me. No one can bring these walls down. And as I look up at these massive walls of Jericho in my own life, I have to ask myself the question, Am I depositing the promises of God? Am I obeying every detail of the Lord in my life in order to see the great deliverance that God wants to bring? I don't know where you are. I don't know where your faith is. I don't know what you're trusting God for. I don't know what promises God has made you. I don't know what you're believing God to do. But I know this. God is faithful to his word. And if you will reckon, if you will deposit the promises of God into your life, I am telling you, and I'm telling you by faith, God will do what he promised. Amen. And let me just say this as I finish. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus tells us, have faith in God. Have faith in God. See, when they were crossing Jordan, 
they didn't know how they were going to overthrow Jericho. God hadn't told them the plan yet. They, Joshua didn't know until he got alone with God. When they were at Gilgal, they didn't know how God was going to deliver Jericho into their hands. They just knew God said that he would. They didn't have the details yet. They didn't know the plan yet. And listen, you may not know the full plan of God. I'm being transparent. I don't know how God's going to open my eyes. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't have all those details right now. I don't know what God's going to do or how God's going to do. But listen to what Jesus told us. He said, have faith in God. He didn't say have faith in the details. He didn't say have faith in the outcome, did he? See, my faith is not in, oh, one day my eyes will come open. I believe they will. But my faith isn't in that. My faith isn't in the outcome of God doing what I want God to do. My faith is in God alone. So whether God, if he were to open my eyes within months or if God doesn't open my eyes for years, again, to me, it doesn't make, it doesn't make a difference because my faith, my joy, my source of hope, my patience, my happiness is simply in God, not in what God will do for me. Where's your faith? Is your faith in the outcome? Perhaps God promised you something years ago and you never saw it take place. And so today you've lost faith. Could it be that your faith was really in the outcome of what you wanted instead of in God? Put your faith in God today. And I'm telling you, as you deposit the promises of God into your life, as you obey the details that God tells you to do, you'll see the deliverance of God in your life. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much that thousands of years ago, those mighty walls fell down flat to the glory of God. But more than that, I thank you for the details that you gave. I thank you for the ram's horns. I thank you for the priest. I thank you for the ark of the covenant of the Lord. I thank you for the men of war. I thank you that they marched one time a day for six days. And on the seventh day, they marched seven times. And they gave a great shout. I thank you, God, that you made known unto men your plans. And they obeyed. Well, God, not only do I thank you for what you're going to do in my life and in the life of your people. God, I thank you for the details. I thank you for the sanctification which you bring into our lives. I thank you for the patience with which you're giving us. I thank you for the fruits of the Holy Spirit with which you are producing in our lives. I thank you that our lives are bearing much fruit to the glory of God because of the vine, Jesus Christ, and the vine dresser, God Almighty. I thank you for the workings of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, for the process, not just the miracle, but the process. Lord, I want to not only believe your promises, I want to act upon them. I not only want to 
see what you do, <laughs> quite literal, literally and quite spiritually. Lord, I want to wait on you. I want to serve you. I want to serve while I am waiting. And God, I thank you for what you're doing on the earth in this day and this hour. I thank you for all the people who have watched or listened to today's broadcast. I pray, God, that your word will have great effect in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the triumph that's in our lives. In Jesus' name.